What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian. Yes, I am a real doctor, board certified and everything. But no, we are talking nothing to do with medicine. We are talking the New England Patriots. We are talking the NFL. We have an amazing roster of topics lined up for today. With me, as always, is the CEO of Hedge Better LLC, Justin Fine. How you doing, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, it's a nice sunny Monday. It's actually kind of nice out. You know what I it mean? Is. But in New England, I, I just don't know if most people are uh, appreciating how nice of a day we have today after what we experienced yesterday. That was the worst or one of the worst, just not even Patriots games, just football games in general ever that I've ever, ever watched. watched. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, terrible. It, was, it was very tough to watch. I think, uh, I think we both said it. It's like, you know, Sunday morning football, you know, Patriots in, in Germany. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of a little exciting. You, you got a little extra football, a little bonus football and your team's playing. And it's just like it wasn't even worth it to watch the game. No, it, it really it was really very little like remarkable yeah. even in the game yesterday to, to even talk about. But let's get to it. We got a great roster of topics. I have an opening kickoff take that that I'm that I'm going to do. But before I even get to that, Justin, I, I just want to talk. I, I got to say one thing about this whole situation because it struck me as I was on my way driving down here um, to record the show. And that is, it's been four years since Brady left. I know we talk about this a lot the last couple of years. We really haven't talked about it this year. But this is what you push Tom Brady out the door for. That debacle yesterday is what they pushed Tom Brady, Bill Belichick pushed Tom Brady out the door for. I mean, think of how ridiculous and stupid it sounds looking back in history now. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, what were they in such a hurry to get rid of the greatest player that ever played for? Bill Belichick was being the smartest guy in the room when he thought he could push Brady out and keep this thing going. And oh my God, was he wrong? You look back on it, right? And Brady wanted like $25 million, yeah. which sounds like a bargain because that bum Daniel Jones gets like 40 million. Deshaun Watson's got like 50 million. The oh, yeah. greatest quarterback that ever lived wanted 25 million and they wouldn't give it to him. You know, he wanted to bring his trainer in the locker room. He wanted a little bit of respect. Big deal. And you didn't want to give it to him. So you threw him out for this, for, for that yesterday, for that garbage yesterday. You look back on it. It sounds stupid. It sounds nuts. It's like when you look back to the pandemic and you like, you washed your groceries for a month or two at the beginning, or like you had to sit eight feet apart from your uncle at Thanksgiving. <laughs> and you just look back like, that sounds so stupid right now. Well, this sounds stupid. You look back. What the hell was Belichick thinking? It's going to go down. I think is maybe we, and we've said this, like it's, you know, we've been, we have been shy about this, but it's going to go down. It's probably the worst. Boston sports decision, maybe ever, ever, right? Like, and I don't know about one that's been more impactful, one that's kind of bitten us in the butt more. Like, this is really just as bad as it gets. Like, you talk about from going, you know, from highs to lows, like, we really couldn't have gotten any higher. And now I don't know if we could get any lower. Like, and it only took a couple of years to get here. Th think of how different you would feel about this franchise if Tom Brady had finished the last three years here. And this was the first year of this crap. I would feel amazing. Ama amazing. amazing. Different, and we'd right? probably have another Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I've said it for years before they got rid of him. Yeah. I, I used to do record a podcast before we started doing it with Hedge Better. I'm sure it's in, in um, unrecorded somewhere there. You ride Tom Brady to the bitter end, right? If you end up with two six and ten seasons at the end of it, so be it. Like you, you don't you don't push the greatest player that ever played out the door after all he did for you. 
Bill Belichick decided to. He thought that was a good idea. And and we can say now definitively, like if we just take a step back and see the big picture, you look where this franchise is right now. What an awful, awful mistake. I'm going to coin this term right now. I want you to write it in the history books. November 13th, 2023, the curse of Tom Brady. Wait for it. We're going to start hearing about it. It's coming, Justin, because, you know, I grew up my whole life at Boston Red Sox fan. We all heard about the curse of the Bambino yep. my whole life. You push a player like that out the door, it takes on a certain mysticism, a certain legend to it. Uh, become, it develops a, a life of its own, if you will. And, you know, the curse of Tom Brady is coming if this franchise continues to struggle. You believe it. A hundred percent. Actually, I've even heard other people say like, oh, the Tom Brady curse is real. Like, you know, title town disappeared. Like Boston hasn't won any major sports championships since Tom Brady left. Like the Patriots have gotten worse every year. The Celtics bummed it. The Bruins bummed it. You know, the Red Sox haven't been yep. able to do anything. Like yep. people are going to start talking. They already are. Right. Like it's, it's, and you know what? The team that now has to go out and get that monkey off their back, it makes it that much harder. Going out and winning a professional championship is, is already hard enough, but to have like this whole like, curse on your back or this whole like narrative that's like adding an extra layer of like pressure from the fans the media the league it's like it, it, it just puts us in such a bad position it's not uncommon for cities yeah. to go decades between championships 100 yeah I, the the boston area did not win a championship for the first 18 or 19 years of my life that that's the, actually 21. I was 21 when um, the Patriots won a Super Bowl. I really kind of missed the Celtics. So it was a long time between those those um, runs. And you wait and see, even though that's probably nothing remarkable about it, this gets to be 5, 10, 15 years where the, the, the Boston doesn't win anything. And you're going to see people talking about the curse of Tom Brady. There's Big no time. question. I mean, what an epic that is. Well, it leads perfectly into our kickoff. That's the opening tape. We used to set the table for the rest of the podcast. And let's just say it, Justin, if you thought there was something special about this franchise today, um, franchise, you wake up today and welcome to reality. Rome is burning. The cupboard is bare and it is not pretty. It is entertaining, but it is not pretty. Um, I thought as long as Belichick was here, this franchise would at least be a good, respectable team. Wow. Was I wrong? 10 weeks in to the 2023 season, what does this franchise have? A lame duck coach, a franchise quarterback who's a puddle, a shell of what he was as a rookie, and major holes at key positions across the roster. Not only is this team bad, but they are the far and away the worst part of this whole thing is that the future for this franchise is so uncertain. It is so uncertain. And I think at this point, you really can't even see or sense what the path forward is. I don't think there is literally one feature or part of this franchise that I feel confident about for the future, redeeming for the future, gives you hope for the future. There's not one thing you can see besides maybe the owners that you feel like you can build off of or count on in the coming years. And the frightening reality is you look up and you're like, there is nothing preventing the New England Patriots from being the Arizona Cardinals or the Jacksonville Jaguars or, you know, a, a franchise like that for the next three, five, 10, 15 years. It looks like the stagecoach has turned into a pumpkin for the NFL's greatest dynasty. And it is a very frightening future indeed. Remember when Bill Belichick said he wanted to leave the Patriots in good shape when he left? Well, yeah. right now, it looks like he's going to leave the franchise it is a total, total mess. And to me, and we've seen this happen in New England and beyond before, 
you can't I see any reason why this franchise won't be on a 10-year run where they are more or less at the bottom of the league. Now, things can change pretty fast in the NFL, but right now, to me, the worst part of this, Justin, is that the franchise doesn't even have anything to build on or give hope for the future. What are your thoughts? I do think that we have some young pieces that I like, right? And I kind of think maybe on like both sides of the ball, like I know the offense isn't great, but like I like Demario Douglas a little bit. Like I'm, I'm seeing some of these guys. I'm like, okay, like I, there's some pieces that I don't mind. I look at some of the defense, especially guys like, you know, that aren't here right now, like Christian Gonzalez, like some of these younger guys from last year's draft, you know, Keon White guys, guys from this year. I think you have some you have some pieces there, right? You clearly don't have enough that you can uh, be successful right now. Like there's a lot missing, obviously. But like if you're this Patriots team, I just don't understand like, you know, how you don't have some sort of major shakeup. Like there's I think like the culture has gone sour. I think like the probably the vibe in the locker room has gone sour. I think the, the the confidence in the coaching staff has probably gone sour. Like there's some something needs to change and something needs to be shaken up. I don't think you can just keep this same group of players, the same group of coaches, and just all of a sudden take what you have now and turn it into a winning product by adding a, a free agent or two or, or drafting someone, you know, next year. It's just, I think you're too far removed from being like one or two players away now. I, I, they're way further than one yeah. or two players away. I mean, they, yeah. the cupboard is bare and the, the, um, the look, the, this is the NFL. So there's going to be a couple decent players on even the worst team in the worst roster in the league. Right. But just to give some context, like I, I think of two seasons when I think of this season. One was the 2000 season. That was Belichick's first year. They were in a transition from Pete Carroll to Belichick. They went five and 11. They were two and seven at one point as well in that year. Look at the pieces they had on that team. You know, Willie McGinnis, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, uh, Ted Johnson, Troy Brown, Kevin Falk. Like these, they had some lot, legitimate yeah. talent on I that know. team. It just, it just wasn't working out. Terry Glenn was, was on that roster. Um, they had really good players on the team. Compare that to what they have now. I, I don't think you could even say they have one or two guys. On that yeah. level, if you even go back to this is way before your time, but even a little before my time, but go back to 1992 when they were two and 14. Look at that team. They had some foundational pieces on that team. Ben Coates is a borderline Hall of Fame tight end. Bruce Armstrong, perennial all pro tackle. They had, they had, um, um, a couple other Maurice Hurst was a pro bowl caliber cornerback. They had some good players when they drafted Bledsoe in 93. There was a lot of yeah. holes, but they had some pieces. I look at this team, I don't even see that. I mean, maybe I'm crazy. Like, I just don't see any foundational pieces, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I think one of the similarities you kind of named, like, in that whole transition maybe from, like, the Pete Carroll to Belichick era was, like, it seemed like the majority of those components that were the pieces and players that carried over that were impactful were on the defensive side of the ball. Right. And I would say like, just kind of like what you alluded to, you know, the offense looks pretty bare other than, you know, a couple of guys here and there. Um, but are, 
I actually think our defense is still like a good defense. I think like our defense is one or two players away. Like especially if they're healthy. Like you know if you if if that defense came back next year and like the Joneses had another year to develop. You know you got you got another year out of guys like Keon White. Like Christian Gonzalez comes back healthy. Um, Judon comes back healthy. You know you keep guys like Barmore around. Like Duggar. It, there's no reason to think that that defense can't be a good defense. The problem is on the offensive side of the ball. That's what you need to go out and address. And it's going to start with the quarterback. It, it does, but I have a lot of concerns about even bringing in a young quarterback here next year because, you, you know, you presumably Belichick is going to be gone. You're drafting a rookie quarterback to come in here into a, a super, you know, angry fan base, um, a fan base that I think still carries an edge to it from the Brady decision. You've got a new head coach. You've got nothing. All the things we're saying about Mac Jones and what he's surrounded with are going to presumably apply to the next guy. You've got $130 million in cap room, which you're presumably going to spend. So some of it, or hopefully some of it, or most of it. So you're bringing in all kinds of new pieces, new head coach and a rookie quarterback. I mean, does that sound like a, a path to success? You, you talk about that 2000 team. Brady came in in 2001 and he had Troy Brown and, and Terry Glenn on this roster. And Terry Glenn was on the back end of his career. He still made some plays for him. Troy Brown was a rock for Tom Brady, especially in that 2001 year. He caught 110 passes. Yeah. You show me one player on this team. Look, I know Pop Douglas is a nice little player. He's not at all what Troy Brown was going into that 2001 season. Right. There's nothing like that for a young quarterback to come in here and say, okay, at least I have this. He's literally starting from scratch. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like it's, it's going to be very difficult. Like I, I correct me if I'm wrong. Like there's really like nobody. I mean, you know, Kendrick Bourne got hurt. We don't know what pop Douglas is. And he's know, not under contract silly. next year. I don't think. Born. Born is a free agent. He might not even be here. Okay. So Hunter, yeah. Hunter Henry's not Hunter is, Henry, is not on a contract. He's not right. Hunter Henry's right. not on a contract. Right. All those those free agent signings from a few right. years ago. Right. Like, Devonta well, Parker is going to be here. Great. Great. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Take him on Thornton. Great. What, what good does that do? I think uh is Ramondre, is this his last year? Is he got one more year in the I mean Ramondre Ramondre is here, but but uh, I mean I would say it's look, not, there's 30 backs in the NFL right. that 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 are just as good as he is. I mean, routinely every year, six, seven, eight guys are, are being drafted that yeah. do the same thing Ramondre Stevenson does. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I, I see a foundational piece that a young quarterback can, can count on. I don't, I wouldn't say so. He's a decent back, but. No, I think, I think there's a lot, uh, a lot to be desired. And I just, I don't know where you start for it. It's almost like, you know, it's, it's a chicken and an egg type of right. type of argument because it's like, okay, well, do you bring in a quarterback because there's clearly a problem with the quarterback play? Right. And it's like, to your point, do you bring in a quarterback if you're just going to ruin him because he doesn't have any weapons or an O-line, right? Right. And but by the same token, you know, how do but how do you go out and invest in weapons in O-line without a quarterback? It's a, you know, it's a very yeah, it, vicious it's cycle. It's a vicious cycle. You know, it's and, and you I mean, you look right now, it's like it's like it's like look, people are looking towards the draft and potentially getting a top 5 pick as as yeah. like the source of hope and the light forward for this franchise. It's not just as simple as drafting a quarterback and plugging him in. First of all, if we've seen nothing the last 20 years, we've seen that these guys fail like half the time, lest we forget uh, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, you know, I, I could go on yeah. and on, name, name 15 guys. So even then, even if the guy can play, 
he's going to have nothing around him. I mean, look at what, you know, Trevor Lawrence went through in his rookie year. Um, look at what Mac just went through here the last few years. Like they're, they're, the cupboard is totally bare Super on the bare. offensive side of the ball. So this is not, if you're looking for the hope forward for this franchise and you think it's simple as, hey, we'll get the number one pick, we'll draft Caleb Williams, we'll get the number two pick, we'll draft Drake May. I mean, then what? You know, then what happens? What do you surround him with? There's right. so many holes on this offense. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree completely. Puts you in a very tough position. A very tough position. Um, so are, are the Patriots better, Justin, than than what they showed ye- yesterday? I mean, I mean, there was an old football coach here in in Foxborough, Bill Parcells. He had a famous saying, you are what you are. You are what your record says you are. Uh, I go back and forth on this, you know, this idea that are the Patriots really as bad as they appear to be at two and eight? Like you, I think there are some decent players, especially on defense. But I, I also think there there are some glaring holes that almost negate that um, on the other side of the ball. Are the Patriots as bad as their two and eight record would indicate? Because I have to say, right now, if I had to answer that question. I mean, look, you've lost to the Colts, the Commanders, the Raiders. You got blown out by the Saints. You got blown out by the Cowboys. You were lucky to beat a Jets team without Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what the heck happened in that Buffalo Bills game. You know, that's hard to explain at this point, except to say division game and a fluky thing. I think this team really is probably as bad as their two and eight record reflects. Well, you know, it's it's tough because like you just said, you look at a team that went and beat the Bills, you look at a team that played, you know, the Eagles and the Dolphins, like wire to wire, like um but by the same token, like, you know, when when you ask if a team's good or not, I feel like, you know, the way you answer if a team's good is like not if the roster's necessarily talented, but if it's can that team come out and perform well on a consistent basis right and like that's really the biggest issue for the patriots it's not that like we haven't seen them put together like drives or like you know or even quarters um on offense and a defense where we're like wow like look at this team move like we've seen mac in this offense like look really good for certain plays of certain drives this year like we've seen the defense look really good on certain plays certain drives but like there's just no ability to come out and do it consistently so it's like when you ask me like is the potential there i say yes because like i've seen it but i just don't see it happening on a regular basis in Coupled with all the mistakes they make mentally, you know, the the penalties, the 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 turnovers, the dumb mistakes. It's like that coupled with the inconsistent performance, it's like, yes, you are that bad, but the talent is there. So it's a very weird question for me to answer. It's it's all relative though, right? right? Like this is right. the NFL. I mean, every even the worst team in the NFL has 53 of the best football players in the world. For on sure. It. Yes, there have been moments here and there where they, where they don't look that bad or Mac makes a couple good throws or right. the offense looks okay. But the reality is, if you look at them relative to the rest of the league, I, I think they really do fall short. If you really if you look at them just not as a Patriots fan or you know, someone biased by being so close to their situation, if you just take a step back and look at like how they performed from the outside observer's perspective, yeah, they're they're really not that good good of a team like it it kind of makes sense that they're this bad i hate to say it at this point i just don't think that they have they have too many holes they don't have a lot of talent and i would say right now if you're asking me there's only one other team in the nfl that i think i think they're either the worst or the second worst team in the national football league right now and i think the only other team that i could put up there with them is who do you want to guess the only other team in the nfl right now that's as bad as they are or maybe worse 
As bad as they're playing they are. them next time, next game. Giants. I guess the Giants. I think yeah, especially I guess, with Jones yeah. out and, t- and and Tommy DeVito in there. Yeah. Like I think the Giants are a terrible team too. Yeah, uh, and and but 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 I think even like the Cardinals are better team. I mean, especially fight, with Kyle yeah. Murray, Kyler Murray now in there. The Cardinals yeah. are going to win some games enough to put to get four or five wins, and, and I think take them out of the contention for the number one pick. You know, the Bears I think have a have a lot more on their roster than the Patriots do. The Panthers are probably another team you could put right up there as being on that level with the Patriots and the Giants as yeah. a terrible team. At least they have a young quarterback that they can feign hope in, though I'm not so optimistic on him. But if you're, you know, at least you can be excited if you're a Panthers fan about that. Yeah. Uh, th- th- this Patriots team, I think, really is at, at the bottom of the league right now. I mean, if you were doing power rankings, you have to put them at, at, um, at, at 31 or 32, I would say. For sure. And, you know, it was, it, I think it was really telling at the end of the game last week against the commanders. Remember, you know, it was going around on the internet, the little glimpse of like Jonathan Kraft's face at the end, right? Yeah, and he mouthed exactly. the words. He said, we're just not that good. And he was, he's, he was speaking honest. He's yeah. 100% right. They're just not, they really aren't just that good. And, and, you know, a few weeks ago, we were looking at the schedule and we're saying, well, maybe they can sa- salvage or save this season. And, right. well, they need to beat this team and they need to beat this team. We said at the time, they're not good enough to, to win all these games. I mean, you know, even right. though the schedule lightens up and here, lo and behold, First two weeks of that, Commanders and Colts, two very winnable games. You know, they could easily be four and six right now. And you might be saying, geez, if they can beat the Giants next week, they're right back in it. But but they're just not good enough to, no. to even win against below average competition consistently. And that's the problem, yep. I think, with them. All right, let's talk, Justin, about, about the quarterback. We got to talk about Mac Jones. And look, I've been somewhat of a defender of Mac over the last three years. But I'm here to say today that I'm out. I'm done on Mac. Completely done on him. Big time. I think he could have been a good quarterback. Some people may yep. say he had no chance. I actually think he could have been good. I don't think he could have been a great quarterback. I think that's evident. This is not Mahomes or Allen. But no. I think his ceiling might have been like a, a Kirk Cousins or a Tagliavoloa or a Brock Purdy or someone of that I ilk. But, but I think clearly what's happened now is that he has faced – so much adversity in the last couple of years. And he was asked to do more than I think he was physically capable of doing. And I think what ultimately happened to him is he has completely psychologically crumbled. Okay. He has, does not have the resiliency mentally or the wherewithal to withstand what has happened the last two years and what you have seen these last seven weeks. And remember he started off actually pretty good. The first three weeks of this year, he was, he was playing not bad. What you've seen the last seven weeks is that this guy has just completely fallen apart. He has become a puddle psychologically. And at this point, I don't see any way in the last seven games that Mac Jones can, can do anything to make me feel like it would be a good idea to bring him back next year as your franchise quarterback, as your starting quarterback, probably even as a bridge quarterback to a rookie. And I think that I'll say it right now, Mac Jones should not take another snap for the new England Patriots as a starting quarterback, as a quarterback period. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so it's over. It's over. It, the experiment's I, over. The experiment, I think, it it just went horribly wrong, like you horribly said. Horribly wrong. You know, 
if Mac Jones was drafted like by the 49ers, like a lot of people maybe or some of the rumors came out after, after yep. the fact they were thinking about, or, you know, or one of those other teams that he was plugged into like a high flying offense with like a forward thinking offensive minded coach. Like, yep. I really do think it would have been a different outcome and a different narrative for for Mac Jones in the NFL. A hundred percent. I completely um, agree with that. And, and you know, I, I but. I think you could say that about a million different players. Like where you come into the league, what team you play for, your coach. Like there are probably a ton of names that we all forgot about or never talked about again because they were talented and they just came to a crappy situation with a crappy team and it just completely stunted them from ever turning into like what they were supposed to be. And I think that was unfortunately what happened to Mac. Now, Mac didn't do any favors to help himself along the way. Like none, you know what I mean. He, he lacks resilience. He lacks the resilience, and, and it and it and it made him crumble for sure. Like we've seen stories of like you know athletes coming is even in Boston. You know, I think about guys like like Paul Pierce who came to the Celtics like when the, we were just a crumbling, destitute like franchise, right? And like you know, you even you saw that this was a kid you could build around, right? And he stuck around and he he turned the franchise around. It was like you don't see that in in Mac. You don't see anything that makes you say, "Damn, we've had a rough couple of years, but this is a kid worth investing in. This is a kid worth giving more time to building around." Like you just don't see anything that makes you say that Mac Jones should be the quarterback of the future. Like we all thought maybe that game in Buffalo a few weeks ago was going to be like that you know, monkey off his back that like kickstart into maybe that new gear, that Mac Jones, like gear of winning. Um, and it just, it never came to fruition. It just got progressively even worse than before from there. And I think it's over the experience. Like you said, the experiment's over. And um, I, I firmly believe he could be a good quarterback yeah, somewhere else, but it's right. never going to happen in New England. No, it's it, never going to happen in New England. The, the question is, I think like, you know, what like you said? What do you do now? Do you like? Do you run Bailey Zappi or, or or Malik Cunningham like the rest of the year? If anything, I'll tell you what: I'd rather see Malik Cunningham than Bailey Zappi. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, this is what I think. This is my take on that. I, I think I think it's you can run with Bailey Zappi. I think it will look worse with Bailey Zappi, and I'm totally okay with that at this point because. What you need to know is, do you have a bridge quarterback that can, that when you bring in a rookie next year and he's got $130 million of free agents surrounding him and he's got a bunch of new draft picks and he's got a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator. Do you have someone that can come in and start for seven or eight games while, while things come together? Right. And that's what you need to see in these last six or seven games. Can Will Greer be that guy? Can Bailey Zappi be that guy? Could Malik Cunningham be that guy? I think that's it. But, but, with Mac Jones, it's it's over. Um, it's over because of the psychological side of things. Mac may be able to redeem his career somewhere, but it's just not going to be in New England with the Patriots. It's just it's just not going to be here. No, it's it's not going to be here. And now we, you know, it's almost about that time that we start having the conversation again in New England. The conversation that we dreaded, that we thought was hopefully in the past for us, that we had for so long, which is. What is the quarterback situation going to be in New England? What do we do? Where does our next quarterback come from? Um, you know what I mean? Is it? Is it? Yeah. And I'm curious. Like, do you well, think we're one of those franchises now that, or, that right. we're in the vicious cycle of draft a quarterback, try to develop him? You know, 
fall, watch them fall apart three years later back to the Jets. I mean, the Jets have been doing this for 40 years. Exactly. I mean, you know, look, the Bears I, have been doing it for 40 years. A lot of these teams, and like, you know, you talk about like, oh, well, is it worth going out and loading up, signing up free agents, drafting like, you know, uh, skilled players and, and, and highly touted talent if you're not going to have a quarterback around them? Like, you look at a team like the Atlanta Falcons. Like, the Atlanta Falcons are like probably like the best offense on paper that nobody talks about because they are loaded. Their offensive line is loaded. Tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, loaded with some of the best skilled players in the league, but they just have a bum quarterback who makes them all worse, right? And it's like, I, do you want to be Atlanta? Like, do you want to, do you want to have like Bijan and John who in, 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 in Kyle Pitts and uh, what's his Drake London and in, in, in a top five offensive line, but you can't, score because you got one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. It's like, where, where do you place the emphasis? It, it's the hardest thing to find in professional yeah. sports is a good quarterback. And I think that we forgot about it in New England because we've right. had a good quarterback for 30 years. I mean, Drew Bledsoe was a very good quarterback. He was not Brady, but he was a very good quarterback. Yeah. He was a franchise quarterback. He was a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback. And then you go from a guy like that right to Tom Brady, the greatest player that ever played a whole generation of people in this market forget how exhaustingly difficult it is and how badly it sucks to be a fan of a team that doesn't have a reliable, stable franchise quarterback. We're learning that. It could take them, the Patriots could get that top three pick this year and they could take Drake May and he could absolutely suck. And, you know, they could take Caleb Williams. He could suck. It's happened before. And then you're back again in three or four years. When you draft a franchise quarterback and it in the first round and it doesn't work out, you literally paralyze and cripple your franchise for like three or four years, which yeah. is exactly what's happening now to the Patriots, by the way, right? Because Mac Jones was a first round pick. And now you have to go back to the drawing board and try and find that missing piece. And like, you, you know, it doesn't matter what else you have around them. You know, you could have all the other pieces in place. If you don't have the guy that fills that role, a quarterback, it's a quarterback driven league and it's not. It's not going to matter. Let's talk, Justin, about the pass yesterday. This will be a, 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 a interception for Mac Jones in, in the fourth quarter. This is going to be a, a play in a pass that people remember here for a long time because yeah. it was the symbolic end of, of the Mac Jones experiment in New England. I, I, I'm, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic at all. And, and when I say it was one of the worst passes yes. I've ever seen in an ever. NFL game ever. And yeah. it was just the perfect embodiment I think of Mac Jones's career, of his failings to this point. And we we have seen this from him on other occasions. You know, these awful passes, these passes that you really for the last seven games where you're sitting there struggling and saying, that was why did he throw across his body? How badly he missed Hunter Henry um, yeah. against the Raiders. You know, you there's been this is not the first one. There have been several of them. This was the worst one. This was arguably like you said, one of the worst throws I've ever seen. Um, like to the point where like it was so off that like I think he literally had like like it's it's all mental. Like it's all it's mental. It's all mental. It's 110% mental. There was nothing physical about no, it. No, it's a 20-yard it, throw. It's a 20-yard throw. Mo most of the people in the stands could have made that throw. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And you know what? It's like it's almost, uh, you know, I think back and I'm like, not only does Mac like do, do this all the time where he just seems to have this errant decision-making, making these poor decisions, but like I look back now too and I'm like, you know, we expected him to maybe turn this corner after the Buffalo game 
uh, a few weeks ago. And I think back and I'm like, he kind of got lucky because he blew that first throw on that 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 to uh, Pop Douglas to, to Pop Douglas, he was right? wide open. Right, we and, talked it, about and it was again. It was a men, it was a huge mental error, and he's right. lucky he got to redeem himself, he right? Is. And I thought about that, and I was like, damn, we gave this kid a little bit of credit and had a little bit of hope because he got a second chance that he shouldn't have and, and came through on it. And I'm like, I'm not surprised. I'm seeing what I'm seeing. This is something he has never like he has done this throughout his career consistently, he consistently made bad throws, exactly. consistently come up short in big situations, like consistently just seems to make a decision to throw an interception that us, you know, us average normal people sit to see him here. Like I, I, I see him make some throws, like, and I say to myself, I could have made that throw. We and you could have made that throw to Mike Kosicki yesterday. Oh, no doubt about you know it. I, mean? I could have made that. I'm a lefty. I could have made yes. that throw with my right arm. That's I mean, what I'm I mean, saying. Like, I mean, a high school quarterback could have made that throw. Easily. So don't tell me his problem is physical. It's not. It's, it's not. psychological and mental is his problem. That you, you look at at the throw. He, the right guard missed the block, okay? And there was pressure coming in. He's so sped up right now that yeah. instead of resetting and throwing a lob ball to Gusecki, who was wide open, he's just like falls backwards. Flick like, wrist, fires, yeah. Fires his pass up. Like, it was the worst mechanics. I mean, just like a quarterback coach would literally go crazy if they saw it. It was terrible form. High school quarterbacks what would do better than that. Like yeah. this is all in his head. Do you you were I know you were a Yankees fan growing up. Do you remember Chuck Knobloch? Was he before your time? No, I remember Chuck Knobloch. And do you remember yeah. he went through that thing? He was a second baseman where he couldn't throw to first base for like a whole season. It was mental. It was, it was all, all mental. mental. You're talking yeah. about an all-star second baseman yeah. that like in the middle of his career on his like third contract made tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he forgets to throw to first. Yeah. It was all in his head. And I don't know how they got over it. Right. Right. But the, eventually it went away. Yeah. This is the same thing right now with Mac Jones. Like, don't tell me that that's a, that's a throw. Any, anyone could make any NFL quarterback, any high school quarterback could make that throw. It, Mac just didn't do it because he is so damn sped up right now. He is in the, the biggest issue that I think he has going for him is like, you know, like you said, if this was like a Chuck Knobloch type of situation where you had proven that you had the skill and the ability, and then for some reason you were just having that lapse, people could maybe view it in one way. But like Mac has never, since day one, he has never come out and shown that he can be that guy, shown that he can do that consistently. And it's really, 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 I think, starting to catch up with him. I think everyone has lost full confidence, including him. I think like I think Mac Mac he there may be a million people chanting for Zappy on Sunday, but Mac is the least confident in himself in that building. There's no that is exactly perfectly said. Like he he doesn't believe in himself. I bet you yeah. deep down inside, he doesn't even think he 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 belongs in the NFL. No. Like I really think he's just gone undergoing like a huge crisis of confidence. And and the one thing to your point that I think is really important to note is that Mac Jones on Sunday started his 44th game as a starting quarterback in the NFL. So this is not some kid that, no. that is inexperienced. I mean, he's middle of the pack. If you go all the starting quarterbacks that started this weekend, yeah. he was like 17th or 18th in terms of having the most starts. Like he's yeah. not, you know, obviously you got your Mahomeses and your Josh Allens that are, you know, up way up, but, but there's a lot, he, he is not inexperienced is not I guess my point. Like no. he's a guy that's, 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 started a lot of games now he's in his third year yep he yeah sh he shouldn't he should be better in the fact that he's regressing 
is the <laughs> exactly is is the worst, most concerning thing of all. So he's ruined, and uh, even even Mac apologists like me, uh, you know, I still I, I I know it's time to move on. I have no reservations. He'll probably go somewhere else, and maybe he'll get another crack, and he'll save his career, and good for him. But 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 it's going to require him to, to grow up and mature a little bit, like psychologically. And there's no way that can happen here with with this fan base, with with this with this coaching staff, with with this franchise. He just needs a fresh start. Yeah, very yeah, simple, completely. Okay, um, let's move on um, to uh, a couple other takes I have from the game yesterday, and then we'll go around the league, Justin. Okay. Yeah. Um, number one, what did you think about the decision to go to Zappi at the end of the game yesterday? I I, I just felt like that was so unfair. I think they should have. I mean, I get it because it was literally the, like we said, the worst pass I've ever seen. But to put Zappi in there in that spot, in that position, that's really not fair to him either, is it? And I'm no Zappi fan. No, it almost felt like it was more of like, like a personal dig than like a performance or like or strategic decision, right? Like, cause like, I don't think you can tell me that. Like, I know Mac had not been playing well, but like, Mac, like, I just don't see in what world that putting Bailey Zappi in there gave you a better chance to go down and score a touchdown on that drive. Like, I just didn't see it. I get the need for a shakeup. And I totally understand saying like, hey, we're going into week 11, you know, with uh, with Zappi as our starter. But like, I almost feel like that throwing him in on the last drive was just like an extra like, you know, you know, kick while you're down to, to Mac. Yeah. Well, that's what it was. It felt more, I mean, clearly, right. It felt more like they were pulling Mac than bringing in Zappy, if you will. Like it was like, you know what I mean? It was just like, it wasn't, it really wasn't about Zappy or saying, okay, this guy's the better choice. It was more about that. They were just so disgusted with what Mac Jones has done. I mean, I said this a few minutes ago, but, but I, I I think it's going to look worse with Zappy in there. And I think as bad as Mac's throw was, Zappy's throw was just as bad. I'm sorry, or almost just as bad. Like that was a terrible throw. You're doing this like crazy fake spike thing, which I guess the coach is called. Shame on them. But you don't have to throw the pass. I mean, he threw it into quadruple coverage. There's no excuse for a pass like that. You got to either throw it away or, or figure out something else. But yeah. that was an awful, awful pass with Zappy. If you're oh, that was an awful pass. Don't don't expect like if you're expecting like Zappy's going to come in and this this is going to get better. No, it's going to get worse. It's going to get that was a little preview. It's going to be worse, and that's okay. But it's going to be worse for sure. Uh, yeah, I I I just don't um, before it. Could before when you brought Bailey Zappi in, it was almost like a little bit of like, hey, we're still trying to figure out, you know, it, who's the best option. Now it almost seems like you're just trying to get by. Well, it's any port of, in a storm. Right, you have exactly, no other choice. Exactly. Mac is, your your starter is imploding. You have nowhere else to go. Maybe they don't feel Will Greer is ready yet. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So they have no choice. Maybe they'll bring in Greer. Um, next, next, uh, next game against the Giants. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him either, to be honest with you. Okay, let's um, let's go on just into the coach Belichick. Uh, this is ugly for 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 a guy that is undoubtedly an NFL legend. There were rumors two weeks ago that if he lost to both the Colts and the Commanders, his job might be in jeopardy. Well, it's happened. They're going into the bye week this week. I don't expect Bill Belichick to be fired, but I honestly don't know what the answer is for Bill Belichick for the rest of the season right now. I don't think anybody gains 
from trotting him out there for these last seven weeks now. Um, but but I don't know. I don't. I don't also think you you also have to show him proper honor and respect. Um, I don't really see any value in firing him necessarily for a lot of reasons. But I don't know how you can continue with him either. And nor do I think I necessarily want to see that. So I, my solution is, and I said this last week, medical leave personal leave, you know, let him step to the side for the next six or seven weeks and then address his future in January. But is that like, I don't know. I mean, are you actually doing anything beneficial? Like you, nobody's actually going to believe it's a medical leave. No one is actually going to believe it's like a person. Like, are you just prolonging? Like, I feel like at that point you're just prolonging the inevitable and you're just creating an extra narrative that's going to loom all like over your team's head until that point in the offseason when you do it. Like, I don't think anybody believes that like if Bill Belichick, if Bill Belichick steps away or like on a personal leave or a medical leave that he's going to come back in the 2024 season, right? So it's like, if you're going to, if he's going to go, I think you got to, I, I think you just got to rip the bandaid. And fire, fire him mid-season? Or even, you know, he can just, even, just he can, he can even step down. Like, you know, he yeah. can just say like, he's like, you know, I, I the, say you're stepping down, you're part, you're mutually parting ways, but yeah. like to try to say, oh, he's going on a medical leave and we'll figure it out. The future uncertain. It's like, no, if he goes on medical leave, we all know it's the bridge to him leaving. Right. So it's like, why put that narrative on the team's, you know, shoulders for the rest of the season? Like rip that bandaid as quickly as you can and get the new guy. See if anybody that's currently on your staff can step in and create some momentum and establish some, some presence heading into next year. I mean, people say that it's unfair to Gerard Mayo if he were to take over for the rest of the year. But let's let's remi- remind ourselves that even if Gerard Mayo comes in, and even if he's the guy that ends up being the next guy, he's never coached a game as an NFL head coach. I, I, I'm wondering right now if there's value in having him come in and finish this year, if only to get a look at him, to, yeah. get, to get, get him some experience, to see what he gets from the team, to see what he gets from some of these players. Like if you're strictly, if you're 100% convinced that that this is it for Belichick, that everyone's mutually parting ways in January. I do think there's value towards doing it now and, and letting Mayo sharpen his teeth a little bit. Obviously, it's a tough and even unfair situation, but my answer to that would be, hey, welcome to being a head coach in the NFL. Uh, it's it's never going to be easy. And whoever comes in here and is the coach next year, they're coming into a, a bad situation. The cupboard is bare. Fan base is pissed. Yeah. Expectations are still high. Everyone's still got an edge because they forced Brady out the door. This is not going to be an easy rebuild for whoever takes this job. So if it's a little tough for Gerard Mayo to come in and finish these last seven games, hey, if he's not up for it and he can't handle it that should be a huge red flag indicator now i think he'll probably do just fine if you put him in that situation and and i think that nobody wants to see belichick leave less than me yeah. I, you know i i want i want belichick to be here but right. it's just obvious that it's not working time is up and now you're hearing all these rumors and whispers from credible sources about mutual parting of the ways at the end of the year i mean what's the value in finishing these last seven games yeah I mean, you know, that's that's kind of how I look at it. It's like if he's gonna if if you're gonna go, go now and and, and try like you said, try to get some benefit out of the last seven games. You um, you know, see what Gerard Mayo's got. See if this team see see like if you know. Don't forget, like I would I like to even just see like you look at like the Raiders after firing Josh McDaniels coming right. out, like rallying around yes. that new coach, playing like they're a new team. They just won what two two in a row, two, two in a row, right? Yeah, just so beat it's the like, Jets. Let's just like. Just see, like, even like 
if you can get more out of the guys you have here just by changing over. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's like that's a good I, I would say right now you really can't accurately assess the talent that's here um unless you make a a, a change with the coaching staff. Yeah, and I think that I think I would even say so far like as I'll I'll amend my Mac Jones take a little bit, which is if Belichick was gone, I, I might like to see what he would look like without Belichick like lo looming over him sure. a little bit. So yeah. you know, I don't know, like, but I just think like if if you're confident as an organization that that it's that it's over, then it's just it's time to it's time to move on, and 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 maybe it's just time to do it sooner rather than than later. Um, all right, let's talk a couple other takes I have about the game yesterday. Uh, number one, Justin Trent Brown missing the game. I'm sorry. Like, does that surprise you one bit that Trent Brown didn't make the trip to Germany? Like, we this is so classic Trent Brown of just being like a guy that yeah. really can't be counted on at all times. They got 17 games from him last year. That was a freaking miracle. I think you listened back to our August episode. We said they'll be lucky if they get 10 or 11 from him. I'm sorry. All of a sudden, he comes up with another injury before the eight-hour trip to Germany. Yeah. I'm super skeptical of that. I am too. Don't forget, before the interception hurt around the world, which was really stole the show for just being so awful, how bad was the pass protection in this game? I mean, Mac, Mac actually played somewhat decently up to that point, given the lack of protection. He took six sacks and I really don't see any of them as really being his fault. I mean, every time he barely got into his drop and he had a guy in his face, they couldn't block at all against a really mediocre defense. And Trent Brown sitting at home in Foxborough always seems to come up with something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Trent Brown does not strike me as the type of guy who you know, would have been looking forward to a trip to Germany. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. And that's, exactly. And that's just like, to, it, it's funny that that even factors into it at this level. You know what I mean? It's like, you're a professional, you're playing at the highest level, you're getting paid millions of dollars. Like, you know, your team is struggling. They desperately need like a, a win. Like the, the owner has said how much like going out and winning this game means to him. Like, you should not need to like be motivated to get on that plane and go play. Like you should, it should just be done. You know what I mean? Like the fact that we're sitting here talking about the fact that like, it's pretty obvious to us that he probably just didn't want to go and play. Like that's, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? That's sad. Very sad. I mean, but let me ask you, who, who do you blame for that? Do you blame Trent Brown or do you blame Bill Belichick? Because I mean, obviously shame on Trent Brown for not, for not making the trip over to Germany. Um, but this is totally in character for him. Everyone knows Super where Trent Brown right. is. So Bill Belichick is the one that made the decision to go into this year with Trent Brown as the only stable, reliable, proven offensive tackle on this roster, knowing full well that this is the kind of things he has been doing his whole career. So yeah. as much as I want to point the finger at Trent Brown and say, dude, you're a professional, get on the plane and, and make the trip, right? And we don't know his injury, so in all fairness, but you know, it, it's obviously super suspicious. But as much as I want to point the finger at him and, and do that, I also have to point the finger at the GM and say, what were you doing? You, you, yeah. you didn't bring in a tackle? You didn't think Trent Brown was going to do this to you? Like every Everyone, you could listen back to our August and July episodes. We were talking about the Trent Brown would do this at some point. No, no surprise. And, 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 and if they had better protection, they might not have been in a position to lose that game, really. Yeah. They've scored some points and they maybe went earlier, uh, pull away earlier. All right. Another one. 
you know, I continued, we talked about it last week. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I have to bring it. I continue to be perplexed at how bad the special teams is on this, on this team. And there's a couple things I want to say about that. Number one is if they have Nick Folk, they might've won that game yesterday because Chad Ryland missed yeah. a bunny field goal. Yeah. And, and maybe they're kicking a field goal at the end there instead of going for the touchdown. Yeah. You know, I like Chad Ryland, but he really, he hasn't been that. I mean, he 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 hasn't been that good. He's missed a lot of kicks this year. He's yeah. what is he like eleven for seventeen or something like that? Yeah, like, he's n- nothing impressive. Nothing I impressive. Um, Nick Folk continues to drain him. I mean, Nick Folk was the most reliable, stable piece of this offense for the last three years, yeah. and they trade him for a six round pick. I don't think he's missed this year, and he hasn't missed a kick yet. Yeah. And it's like there have been several games this year where you needed that that three points you could count on. Yeah. There, there was another situation a few weeks ago, I forget which game, where they didn't kick a kick. They went for it. Um, and I'm trying to remember if that was against the Raiders or, or or who it was. Maybe it was in Miami. But it's like the last thing this team needs is instability from the kicker. What, what was the logic of trading Nick Folk for like a six-round pick? At this, at, at, right before the season started, it really, I think it hurt them yesterday. It probably cost them a win yesterday. A hundred percent. I mean, look, that if you make that field goal, there were, there were plenty of other opportunities, I think, to go and kick another field goal. Like, you should never lose a game when your defense gives up 10 points. Or never. Less. You should never lose. Never. So, you know, and I get it. I mean, there's ugly games across the NFL all the time. Like, sometimes you have to put up 13, 16 points and win a game, right? Like, you know, you're not, the touchdowns aren't always flying, but like, you at least got to be able to get yourself in a position where you can put points up on the board. And, uh, you know, to not have a reliable kicker, especially when this offense struggles to score and move the ball like they do. I mean, it's again, it's just another almost, you could say, manufactured loss. Yeah, they, they can't they cannot afford to leave any points on no. the board. And and unfortunately, when you have instability, a kicker, a kicker you can't rely on. That's exactly what they do. And then. The rest of the special team sucks too. Like, let's not forget that. They gave up another big kickoff return again, which is amazing because that was their biggest, you know, free agency additions was both special teams gunners. And what about the punt return where they didn't have a returner back there? I mean, what the hell was that about? That cost them like 30 yards in field position. They were going to get the ball back at midfield. Yeah. Yeah. And they asked him about it after the game. And of course, he had like, no, Belichick had no response for it. Right. So, you know, it's just, it's just a weird, weird sequence of events it's just but we we have this conversation like every week it's all every week it's like weird things that we can't wrap our mind around that always seem to come back and bite us in the ass like and we lose a game over something stupid i i honestly can never remember certainly a patriots team but i can't ever remember any nfl team i've watched have this many problems on special teams as they've had and not just this year last year and the year before that really since brady left and I, I don't know what the correlation is, you know, right? But it's it's just like this team, special teams, is so bad. And when you look at the ratio of how much of their franchise, their cap, they've spent on it, their focus, their emphasis, they got two special teams coaches. I believe one of them is still technically an assistant head coach and Joe Judge. And yet they can't do the most basic things. Yeah. They have penalties every week. They get the, the bizarre mistakes they make on special teams is just like. It is mind blowing. And right up through this week with having no, no punt return back, basic play, basic play. It's just, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe how bad they are on special teams. Yeah. All right. Two more takes. And then we're going to move on to around the league. Justin, um, how much blame do you give to Robert Kraft for all this? I'm going to say right now, my take on this, I hear a lot of people pointing the finger at Kraft. 
Look, it's up to Robert Kraft to fix this because he's the owner. I don't blame him much for what happened to this point. I think it was reasonable to give Bill Belichick a long leash. The guy was right about so much for 20 years. Okay, maybe it was more Brady than all of us realized. But, you know, I can't blame Robert Kraft for giving Bill Belichick and his six Super Bowl rings the benefit of the doubt. You know, so I don't really blame Kraft for the mess of this franchise right now. I, I think he trusted Belichick. Maybe he trusted Belichick too much, but I understand why he did. I, I don't I don't put a lot of responsibility on the owner right now. You know, I think I put a little bit more on him maybe than you. You know, I look back on it and I say, you know, we 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 started out this podcast by saying this all started with pushing Tom Brady out the door when all he wanted was two years and twenty five million a year, right? Um, and that is a situation where, as an owner, you know you have to look at your franchise, right? Like first off, as an owner, you should be evaluating your franchise and being able to at least somewhat somewhat accurately assess who's responsible for what's happening, good and bad, right? Like between like players and personnel, I think like that's an effective owner can look at that and say, okay, this, you know, here's who's responsible for our successes and failures. And if you think, you know, if you think Tom Brady is even, you know, remotely worth as much as we know he, he was now, right? Like, which Kraft always claims he did. Like, I do think you have to put a little bit of blame on Kraft for letting us push Brady out the door, which started this whole snowball thing. I've kind of said it from the beginning. I know we don't want Kraft to be Jerry Jones. We know we don't want him to interfere. We understand why Belichick gets the long leash, but like a lot of things have happened under Kraft's watch that I don't know if I was the owner of a team I would have been okay with. Like, I don't think I would have been okay with pushing the goat out the door when he wanted something very reasonable. Like, I don't know if I would have been okay with uh, some of the draft picks and some of the moves that they've made. Like, I don't know if I would have been okay with like some of their lack of aggression in like free agency. So like, I get giving Bill Belichick this long leash. I get he earned it. But at the end of the day, like, and I also get like keeping yourself removed from, you know, the, the football side of things to a certain extent. But like, all this is happening under your nose. At a certain point, you have to ask at what point you're willing to stop in and, and clot the bleeding. But but it's not really Robert Kraft's area of expertise to 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 know like the X's and O's of football. That's not what he does. He's the owner. And when you've got Bill Belichick coming to you, and, and remember, this is 2020 Bill Belichick. This is Bill Belichick that just won a Super Bowl two years ago pre-Patricia and Judge and, and all this other stuff, you know, he comes to you and you say, he says, I think it's time for Brady to go. I think his game is in decline. I don't think he's worth the money anymore. I think he'll be out of the league in the year. Who is Robert Kraft to tell Bill Belichick, especially in 2020, that at that time, that he was wrong? I think Kraft was in a tough spot there, but I think he probably felt like he had to listen to the advice of the expert, quote unquote, Bill Belichick. Now, we all know it was terrible advice and it was wrong, but if you're asking me who I blame for that, I don't blame Robert Kraft for listening to to the people he hires to, and, and has trusted and have come through for him so many times. But like the issue I have with that is like, you had all this cap space, right? You didn't trade Tom Brady. So it's like, 
You could have given Tom Brady two years and $25 million and still gone out and said, we're drafting the next guy because we don't know how much we Tom has left in the tank. Like out of respect, I think you can give the GOAT a very reasonable, like what he was asking for was very reasonable at the time. He was not asking to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. And you still could have gone out and drafted Mac Jones with the 15th overall pick and said, hey, Mac, you're going to learn under the GOAT for at least the next two years. And we have you here in case Brady's demise comes quicker than we planned. And we have the cap space to do it because clearly as soon as Brady left, we went out and dished out all these huge contracts to Jonu Smith and, and Hunter Henry and and, and, and all these guys, uh, you know, the Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. So it's like, I think you could have, like, if I'm Robert Kraft, I don't necessarily say that, hey, you can't move on from Brady, but I think you say, hey, we can do both. There has to be a meeting of the minds here. And I, I I don't know how difficult it would have been to get that done. And maybe it's not easier said than done. But am I crazy for thinking you could have signed Brady for two years and still have gone out and but, drafted Mac? You, I know you're 100% right. But what I'm saying to you is the, the point the finger for that at Bill Belichick. Don't point at Robert Kraft. Like Robert Kraft is up in his office. Bill Belichick comes up to him and says, look, Brady doesn't have it anymore. I think he's losing it. He's 41 years old. I really think we're better off just letting him walk this year. I don't even think he's worth $25 million. What's Robert Kraft to do? Brady's coming off, of course, his worst statistical season um, as a starter for the Patriots, or at least in a long time. I, I just say, like, I'm just saying, I can't blame Robert Kraft for listening to what Bill Belichick told him. I, I just think that that... that it was reasonable. And I think, you know, at some point, if you're the owner, you have to step in and say, hey, this isn't working anymore. And I think Robert Kraft is at that point. So I'll say two things to you. One, from this point forward, I'll blame Robert Kraft if, if they don't get the ship right. Because now it's apparent it's not working. It's apparent Belichick doesn't have it anymore. So now it's on Robert Kraft to, to write the ship because he is the owner in Jonathan. And then the second thing I'll say, Justin, the one thing I do blame Kraft for going back over the last four years, one of the worst decisions he's ever made as an owner of this franchise is when he let Tom Brady walk out that door for nothing in return. Waving the franchise rights to Tom Brady was a was a bad decision and a bad mistake. It, the franchise it, tag, I mean. For sure. I mean, look, the honestly, one, one of the last things I'll say about it is like, you know, when it comes to when it comes to Tom Brady walking out the door, obviously, you know, that's that's a very difficult thing to do. And I agree with your logic for 99.9% .9 of players. But I think there are certain players, you know, especially who we consider Tom to be the greatest player of all time. I think as the owner, it is your responsibility to say, this guy gets to go out on his terms, not on your terms, Bill. Like that's where I would have stepped in because I think that for 99.999% of players, it would have been a mistake for Robert Kraft to step in. But for the, the, uh, the, the Brady's, the Michael Jordan's, the, you know, those guys I think have earned the right to leave on their own terms. And I think that as the owner, Kraft should have ensured that Brady got to do so. It was it was a mistake for sure, and and maybe yeah. Kraft should have, should have done better. But I but I just think at the end of the day, if Bill Belichick came to Kraft and said, "Look, we have to keep Tom Brady. I still think he has it. We have to pay him, pay him thirty million, pay him twenty, whatever, pay him." Kraft would have done it. Like like this really comes down to Bill Belichick making a decision on Tom Brady that was a wrong decision and really sent this franchise spiraling out of control since then in the context of several other bad decisions. Because let's face it, the Brady thing is clearly not the only bad, bad, awful decision Bill Belichick has made in the last five or six years. All right, one last thing on the Pats, then we move to around the league. 
Is it time to tank, Justin? Do you agree with me at this point? I'm almost rooting for two and 15. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I just can't really see what what these victories right now get you. I mean, you know, look, if you were, here's the thing. If you were to, uh, if Bill Belichick was to leave, right, and you were to bring in a new head coach and, you know, you were to shake things up, then I'm all for trying to build some momentum and stability in, in, in a foundation for heading into next year. Because you know what? If if you're picking maybe second versus, you know, seventh, eighth, like the draft class seems so deep that, you know, it might be worth trying to see what you got in your current roster and trying to build a little bit momentum. But if it's still Bill Belichick there, if it's still Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi or whoever they like, lose as many games as possible because then I, you know, it's all about, I think getting the best draft pick. It, it is. And I don't see beyond that, like, you know, how much is really going to be gained from, from, I mean, as much right. as yesterday sucked, I, you know, I'm watching the end of that game. And I'm like, you know what? It's probably for the best. It's probably for the best. They lost that game. Uh, and then, and so, you know, that that's, I think how, I mean, this giants game, in two weeks, like paradoxically becomes like a critical game for the future of this franchise where I'm thinking of going down there, by the way, for this. And I'm like, what am I going to really be rooting for if I trek down there? Like, you know, am I rooting for them to win or lose? I think, you know, you, you really, whoever loses this game is going to be, you look at the mathematics of it is going to be much better position to get one of those top two or three picks, which I think you're going to need to get to get a good quarterback. So this game could have huge implications to the future of the NFL. You really yeah. want to beat the Giants? I, I don't know. Let's hope Tyrod Taylor is back because, I it's, I mean, Tommy DeVito is like full-on tank. We well, just call him tanking Tommy, oh, yeah. basically, because that guy, he just doesn't have it. Like, that was that was ugly yesterday. All right, Justin, perfect segue to the end of the league. I'm going to end the Facebook Live. If you like what you heard, check us out on Spotify. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. We're going to go around the league. we got some great topics. You can find the rest of it over there. Thanks for listening. Okay, so around the league, let's start in uh, Pittsburgh yesterday, Justin, yeah. because this is what I find really interesting about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Nobody respects the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are 12 and four in their last 16 games. Yeah. They win football games. They don't do it pretty. They do it ugly. But contrast what's happening in Pittsburgh now to media darling, Trevor Lawrence in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And what I would say to you is that everyone, you hear some analysts put Trevor Lawrence in the top five quarterbacks in the league. And I don't think Trevor Lawrence is a bad quarterback, but I don't think he's a great one either. I think right now, fairly, he's an above average quarterback. But what I want to say is like the, the similarities from how the Pittsburgh Steelers are winning to how the Jacksonville Jaguars are winning. And the Jaguars are winning with defensive running game and an average quarterback. And that's exactly how the Steelers are winning, really, if you look at it. Kenny Pickett has been average at best. Yep. They got a terrific defense and a good running game. Very similar teams. But why does everyone in the national media love Trevor Lawrence and think the Jaguars are this up and coming commodity? And yet the Pittsburgh Steelers are an afterthought. It's crazy. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I, I placed a bet on them to win the NFC North uh, 
beginning of the year. Cause like, I just have so much faith in like Mike Tomlin and in that team, like that is just a tough, resilient team. Like they do not ask Kenny Pickett to do an ounce more than he is capable of. They surround him with great coaching, great weapons, a great team. Um, and honestly, they just find ways to be tougher in 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 grittier than these other teams. Like the Steelers, most of their wins, like you said, are ugly fourth quarter, just gritty, grinded out wins. And that to me is way more telling about a franchise's ability to win games and close out games. You know what I mean? Because I look at that and I'm like, if if they were to somehow upgrade their quarterback situation, or if Kenny Pickett was to somehow take that next jump, like are you like, you're telling me that team isn't dangerous as hell, you know, you know? So it's like, that's a team that found a way to win without necessarily having a franchise quarterback in place. Absolutely. I mean, Kenny Pickett it has, has not only not, I mean, I called him an average quarterback. He might even be below average quarterback if you really look at it, but they find a way to win. By the way, if you're looking for a template for how a team can win with an average or below average, I mean, that that is the Pittsburgh yep. Steelers right now. When you look at what's happened here with Jones and it's like, hey, if you built the team right around a guy like that, you can still win ball games in the NFL. Like maybe not Super Bowl, but, but competitive. And the Steelers are competitive. I mean, you win 12 out of 16 games. I think that's something that that deserves some acknowledgement that, that that's actually a pretty damn good team. No one thinks about Pittsburgh as being anything more than a, an average or below average team. And yet, yet they've won 75% of their, of their last, of their last 16 games. I just think it's very interesting. Okay, Justin, next take this tournament in January, NFL postseason. it looks a lot different if the 49ers are healthy, right? Like a healthy 49ers team is far and away I think the best team in the NFC, maybe the best team in the NFL, but they have so many players on that roster that are injury prone players that it is going to be a huge question mark. Like what 49ers are we going to get in January? It's going to affect, I think very much who wins the Super Bowl this year. A hundred percent. Like, look, the 49ers have shown that there are two factors that are super important to their success. And rightfully so. I don't think it's rocket science. It's their uh, ability to uh, be healthy. That's number one. And then they're, they've shown that they're clearly a better team at home than they are on the road, even though they still play, they go out and play well on the road. But those two things are big for the 49ers. If they're able to lock up the number one seed in the NFC, you know, which is still an uphill battle with the Eagles right now, but if they're able to lock up home and be healthy, I don't see how any team goes into San Francisco and beats a healthy 49ers team. I think the only chance you get is to get them on the road and hope that they're hobbled. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. And I think that if, if you get an injured, you get injuries on that 49er offense, I think you can get to Brock Purdy. And right. I don't mean to denigrate Brock Purdy because I think Brock Purdy deserves a lot more credit than he's getting. But clearly, he is is of that second or third tier quarterback. I think that, look, he does some things really good. He he has a really nice feel for the game. Like he just sees the field and he throws guys open. He does has yeah. great anticipation. He does all those little things well, but this is not, you know, Peyton Manning here on the other side of the coin. Brock Purdy can be gotten, but it, if that team has all those pieces around him, then it becomes a chess game. Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. You got McCaffrey, Ayuk, Samuel. That's when they take the advantage in, in, the, in the game, if you will. And I think that, and I think that they become very hard to beat when they have all their pieces healthy. 
for I, anyone. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that is, you know, like, again, and those are two big ifs. Can they stay healthy? But uh, if they are healthy, I think, yeah, that's that's got to be the favorite. You I, know, I, I agreed. All right, let's go to um, let's go to Cincinnati yesterday, a team that I like. I know a team that you like, the Cincinnati Bengals. What CJ Stroud is doing right now is yeah. franchise quarterback stuff like yeah. Forget offensive rookie of the year. We need to be talking about CJ Stroud as an MVP candidate for what he's doing. When we talk about, we've talked about how much, you know, we haven't seen enough from Max over, when you talk about how, when you draft a true franchise quarterback, they come in and even if there are limitations on that team, they change that team. They tilt the field, if you will. Look at what C.J. Stroud is doing in Houston. That's not a great team around him. He's got the fourth quarter comebacks. He's putting up huge numbers. Yeah. They're winning games. If you wanted to, you could make – if C.J. Stroud was performing bad, you could make a roster of excuses for why. There's not a lot of talent on the team. He's got yeah. a rookie coach, a new system. You know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of reasons why C.J. Stroud should suck. And, and, he's, and yet he's uh, has a league leading fourteen to one touchdown. Yes, and he's, he's in the MVP yeah. conversation. That's yeah. a franchise quarterback. Yeah. What CJ Stroud is doing right now is franchise quarterback stuff. Now, I will say the best thing I saw from him that was a big time win yesterday against a hot Bengals team against yeah. a good Bengals team. In the fourth quarter, he went out. He threw a pick six, which was an awful pass that got the Bengals back into the game. He still had the stones to come back and find a way to win that game and lead two big drives in the fourth quarter of the game after that to yeah. give the Texans a win that they deserve to have. That's that's greatness right there. That it was, man. It's, it's honestly, it's fun to watch what they're doing down in Texas. Like, you know, CJ Stroud really is, I think he's that dude. Like, and I think we both kind of said that he might be the best quarterback coming out of, you know, um, out of last year's draft class. Like, I, I just really like it because, you know, we, we, we thought that the Texans were going to be bottom of the league, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. We said that they had the worst weapons in the league. Um, they had the, some of the most question marks. Like, this is like you said, this is a team that had every reason to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. And they are. And we all predicted we them. all thought, yeah. one of the worst teams. No, in the I don't think anybody thought that we'd be sitting here at this point talking about the Texans. It's not only like a potential playoff team, but like a actual dangerous team that you don't want to play. It, it, they they are the definition yeah. of, a, of a dangerous team. And look at their schedule. Have you looked at their their schedule um, moving forward? First of all, it's amazing. But the Texans Jaguars game coming up in in a few weeks is in two weeks is going to be a massive game, right? Yeah, but it's right. going to be division. Oh, that's on November twenty sixth. Let me read you the Texans schedule for the rest of the year: Cardinals, Jaguars, Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns. Every yeah. single one of those games is winnable. Yeah. They're they have as good a chance yeah. to win the AFC South as anyone. They're almost certainly, unless they completely melt down, gonna be in the playoffs with, with a schedule like that. They, you know, nobody's really taking them serious. I think we've all been impressed by what CJ Stroud is doing. Yeah. But yesterday was a statement win, and that statement was 
we're actually going to make some noise this year. You actually have to not just worry about us next year or the year after that or the year after that, but we're actually here in 2023 and we're going to be a damn tough out in the playoffs yeah. in 2023. Yeah, 100%. I would not want to play the Texans right now. Not a chance. And it's funny too, because we, I, I think going into this year, you know, we were complaining like, oh, teams like the Texans aren't on, this, aren't on our schedule. You know what I mean? No easy games. And look at right. Te- look, you, you gotta, just never know. Right. You never know. Exactly. And, on the other side of the ball there, you know, um, I, I think the Bengals will – I mean, I'm not – I'm still high on the Bengals. I really am. Like, I think – look, that, that was a, a, a hot team, a, a competitive game. I, I, I still love – you know, I still think the Bengals are, are probably a playoff team. I'm not giving up on them yet. The the Bengals to me is it's so conflicting because that entire AFC North is making a case to be I think heading into Sunday yes. the entire AFC All North four teams was in the playoffs, in the playoffs right? yeah so it's like no matter what you know there's going to be some real tough cuts you know I look the Bengals might actually be the best team in that division yes. and they're currently in fourth and they're in last place right exactly yeah so that's it, an interest that's a great point yeah they're they're in last place. Um, you, first place. I don't know if they still are first place, but let, let's go to let's go to the um, Ravens and talk about the Ravens Browns game yesterday. That was another yeah. one. So there were five games yesterday that were decided on last second field goals, which is an NFL record. It's never happened before huh. as time expired. Five yeah. games, and this was one of them. I bet the Ravens yesterday, yeah. and the way that they played that game in the fourth quarter. Which, by the way, is a trend for them. The Bengals have, I mean, the Ravens have blown seven fourth quarter leads in the last two years. They've yeah. been up seven times and lost in the fourth quarter. Three times this year, all three of their losses, they've been leading in the fourth quarter. So it's a trend for the Ravens to fall apart when it counts. I was rooting for the Browns at the end of that game to win that game because the way the Ravens played that game on both sides of the ball was just so reprehensible, so like unappealing to blow that lead, to be so complacent, to give up, to throw a terrible pick six by Lamar Jackson. The Ravens did not deserve that game. No, this has been the knock though. You know, we've said for years, the Ravens are a very talented team. They look like at times- We picked them to to win the AFC Championship. The both of us did this year. Like seriously, at times you look at the Ravens and you'll say, this is one of the best teams, one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Uh, They got good coaching, good quarterback play, good defense, good skill players, you name it. I this I've never seen a team with as much as the Ravens find ways to lose game in the fourth quarter over the last like couple of years like they have. Like this is clearly a team, you know, you talk about the the inability to close of like Mac Jones and the Patriots like this is a team that has all of the pieces in play from top to bottom and they still are having a tough time closing and holding on to leads like you're, you almost got to ask yourself, is there some sort of mental instability going on in either, you know, just Baltimore as a whole, but maybe with Lamar Jackson? Like yeah. I, well, I'm glad you brought up Lamar Jackson because, look, I still think Lamar Jackson is a, is a top quarterback in this league. But for two years before the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson, I told you, I told, uh, you know, I, I told everyone that would listen, this guy's on the decline. You can see it. He's not quite the same player. Right. Not everyone makes it to 42 like Tom Brady did. Quarterbacks that rely on their mobility have a steeper decline. We saw it with Cam Newton, how quickly he fell off the map. Did anyone sign Cam Newton after his time in New England? He still hasn't done anything, right? Why? Because he went from MVP level to a guy that couldn't even sustain in the league in the matter of three or four years. Yeah. 
I still think Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback. I think Lamar Jackson is a better passer than Cam Newton was, but it's of the same um, fabric, what's happening to Lamar Jackson right now. He's already a half step slower. He's been my fantasy quarterback, obviously, this whole year. I watch him closely. I still think he's a great player, but... I can see now looking back why they were a little reluctant to sign him and why that went out, that that whole situation went on as long as it did. Because he he is not quite the same player mobility wise as he was three, two years ago. No, but it almost seems like they kind of screwed themselves. Like if they had the right idea, they screwed themselves because if anything, they just delayed when they signed him to that big contract. And now it's like, it's yeah. like you, you get him on the front end of that contract when he could be at the back end of his prime. And, and, you you know, know? I'm not necessarily saying it was a bad contract because I still think he can be a very good quarterback even at 90%, 80% mobility of what he was. But can he be the MVP player that I think could have potentially single-handedly taken a team to a Super Bowl like he might have been a few years ago? And I really think that that that, that window might have closed for him. Like I think he's going to need help. I think he's going to need a defense. I think he will still be a, a five to ten second tier kind of quarterback, but but not not at all what I think he was a few years ago. No. Okay. Um, can we call if you're looking for something to root for? Uh, in the final seven games in your Patriots fan. How about rooting for Josh Dobbs, right? In yeah. Minnesota. What an amazing story. Josh Dobbs is the anti-Mac Jones. He's the anti-Mac. Seriously. Like in every way. This guy is getting kicked around the league. I think he's been on nine NFL teams, right? He got traded twice this year. Comes into Minnesota last week with absolutely no preparation. The starting quarterback gets hurt. He's in there, wins the game. Goes out yesterday against a respectable New Orleans team that, by the way, beat the snot out of the Patriots a few weeks ago, right? And wins that game. And he's playing great. Like, Josh Dobbs, that's the kind of guy that everyone can root for. A hundred, hundred percent. Like, he is, and when you listen to him talk, like, he's just very hardworking, like, very unfazed, very humbled. Don't forget, like, this was a guy that, the end of the last season, he bounced around, like you said, to a couple different teams. Like, and he just put on, so, I think he just made such a great impression on people. You know, we were hoping we were going to see him this year. And he has just found a home this year, hopefully in, in Minnesota with a talented team, like a team that's like going to be in a battle for a wild card spot, like a team that has. I believe, um, are they six and four now or five and four? I believe I Minnesota's won five straight. Yeah. There's, so I think they're six and four. I think right they're now. six and four right now. They definitely got to be in the hunt for a wild card in the NFC. Um, you know, and he's doing this without Justin Jefferson too. He's going to get the best receiver That's in the right. league. Back. All this without Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's like we can sit here and make excuses, you know, not to go back to Mac, but we sit here and make all the excuses in the world for Mac. And meanwhile, we're seeing some of these quarterbacks out here doing, you know, way more impressive things with just as much or less. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Well, you know? well, I mean, to be fair, you know, you go to the Vikings, they, there's a lot on that team. You know, they got a great tight end, TJ Hokinson. They got a couple of the really good receivers. Um, there, you know, obviously Addison's the first round pick. There's the other guy, number 15, the small guy who's quick. And then, True. you know, so they have talent on, but you team. did just, st- you just showed up like but you last just showed week, up. Right? Totally. It's it's, like- yeah. I mean, like the, the, exactly, you know, totally like it's a great story. The Vikings are six and four. They're in second place in the NFC North. If the season ended today, they would, they would be in the playoffs, I believe as the seventh seed. Um, that, it's a great story. So, you know, it's something to root for now that we know the Patriots are not only circling the dream, but literally like halfway down it, yeah. you know, is, is Josh Dobbs. And he's absolutely the anti-Mac Jones. 
if the Cleveland Browns, something crazy happened yesterday in that Baltimore game um, on the other side of the ball, and that is out of nowhere, out of absolutely nowhere, after like yeah. we saw the Deshaun Watson of, of four years ago just like magically fall out of the sky onto the 50-yard line in yeah. Cleveland, right? Like he at one point in the se- in the first se- third quarter of that game, he had completed less than 50% of his passes. He was looking like the same crappy old Deshaun Watson. I think he finished that game something like 14 for 16 with a couple touchdown passes and leading them on a huge drive late in that game to get the game-winning field goal. If Deshaun Watson could even approach the level of what we saw for him when he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Houston, with that defense, the Cleveland Browns could also be a dangerous team. 100%. That's one of the better defenses in the league. You know, they don't get talked about a lot. Um, but that's a good team. Like, they have a good offense. They've had a good, they have got a good, good offensive line. They got good weapons. Um, I like the coach. I mean, you know, that is a gritty, grinded out team. And that's been like a team in an organization that's been grinding and been knocking at the doorstep for, you know, the better part of the last five, six years now. Um, so this is an experienced team that I think is is ready to win. If they can get something out of their quarterback, it, it's, they're just as dangerous as anybody. It's funny because if you go back and you look over the last like 10 years in the NFL and you just look at this point in the season where it's like week 10, week 11 – I think if you went back and look retrospectively, you would see that oftentimes some of the best teams were just kind of lurking in the weeds or just starting to emerge right around this like Veterans Day, pre-Thanksgiving kind of time. And and that's what the Cleveland Browns make me think of as I'm watching them play because there are a lot of pieces on that team. Watson has been their liability to this point. And I mean, we've talked many times about what why why did they trade Baker? Why do they push Baker Mayfield out the door, make this huge investment in Watson? And it really hasn't yielded much fruit for them. Yesterday was only a flash in the pan. It was one half of football. Watson has a lot more to prove. He's been bad, really, since he left Houston. He hasn't played in a couple of years. But he did for the first time, for the first time in a long time, show a glimpse of being the old Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, it was kind of nice to see because as a football fan, you want to see Deshaun Watson out there playing well. You want to see the Browns out there competing. And uh, it's a fun division to watch right now. Very fun. I want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys yesterday a little, Justin, because the Dallas Cowboys continue to do every week what fraud teams do, which is beat the bag yeah. out of crappy bad teams. They're, the, as I watch them just pile on, the New York Giants – in hapless Tommy DeVito yesterday, it made me think of like the boogeyman from yeah, 2019. Yeah, just thinking that, yeah. You know, and, and just these fraud teams that when you put them against good teams will always fall apart, but will look like the 85 Bears when they're playing bad opposition. And that's what the Dallas Cowboys are. Still to me, a total fraud team, not a believer in the Dallas Cowboys, even though they did have a big win yesterday. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys, again, I think we all know what we're in for with the Dallas Cowboys, right? We're in for like a regular season hero team that's yep. going to go into the playoffs. Yep. Maybe win a game on wild card. Of course they're going to win a game because you know then, who they're going to get in the first round? They're going to get the winner in the NFC South. Right. And they're going to the kick South. the shit out of them. Right. And, and then they're going to go to San Francisco and get the shit kicked out of them again. I can tell you exactly right. what's going to happen so right now. So we, we all know, I think, what 
the what's in the cards for the Dallas Cowboys. This is it's, it's just a team that we haven't been able to like. They cannot take that next step into being an elite team. They, 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 I don't think they have have really like the horses to do it at, at the you know and I, I mean there's all kinds of questions around them but hey fraud teams beat the bag out of bad teams yeah. that's what fraud teams do so if you're wondering you know if you want to start to believe in that Cowboys team as being a contender, it should not surprise you. I mean, look at what the Saints did to the Patriots a few weeks ago. Look what the Cowboys did to the Patriots a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Fraud teams beat the bag out of bad teams and make you believe in them. But then when they get into a real opponent, they always fall apart. Um, let's talk, Justin, about the Detroit Lions a little bit. This is what impressed me about the Lions yesterday in Los Angeles. Really great teams, not just good teams. Good teams can beat you, Right. Great teams can beat you multiple ways. The Detroit Lions can beat you multiple yeah. ways. So they can they can play defense. We saw them in week one go into Arrowhead Stadium, slow down the Chiefs, and win that way. They can outgun you if they have to in a shootout. And we saw that yesterday. A great team has many tools in the toolbox to find ways to win. The Detroit Lions have that kind of roster. They do. And look, I, I got to be one of the first people to, to own up. Like I thought this year, like, you know, I, I, I was very vocal. I said, I'm not buying into the hype. I still, I don't believe in that defense. Um, I think the team still has a lot of holes and they're looking like one of the most complete teams in football. Like Dan Campbell's the real deal. Like, I mean, you know, who doesn't want to go play for that guy? It seems like, um, and he's getting every drop that he can out of those players. Like that is just a fun team to watch. And I got to be honest, like I root for the lions when I watch them. Yeah. I mean, look, if you're, again, if you're looking for something to root for as a Patriots fan coming down the stretch, the lions are another great team to root for. Like, just yeah. like, you know, the bad news bears finally figure it out and now they're good. I mean, that's, right. that's a great story. You're telling me right now, Lions 49ers NFC Championship game, you know, Lions Eagles. And if, I mean, really, who's America going to be rooting for? It's going to be Dan Campbell. It's going to be the Detroit team, yeah. the lovable losers, a franchise that hasn't won anything in, you know, 50, 60 years predating the right. Super Bowl. Uh, that's going to be a great story coming down the stretch. Let's not forget, too, real quick before you move on, that at, well, I believe they're what, seven and two, or the Lions seven and two, I think, after the win yesterday? Yeah, the Lions are seven and two. The Lions are, so, so one, they're, they're one game out of locking up or having home field advantage. That's right. In they're the they're number two right. seed right now. The yeah. Eagles are eight and one. The Lions are seven and two. And the Eagles have a very tough uh, schedule coming yeah. up and a tough game actually coming up next week in Arrowhead, right. which is a Super Bowl rematch, of course. But I mean, look, the Lions are right there. And, and it would be an amazing an story. An NFC Championship and it like Ford Field in, yeah. in Detroit. Like that'd oh, be crazy. Amazing. Come on. And, and let me ask, let me tell you this too. Like when do we start giving some respect to Jared Goff? Like how, yeah. how did Jared Goff become so disrespected? You look at his, I mean, he's already made a Super Bowl. I'm not saying he's Brady or Mahomes or Allen, but if you look at the NFC field right now, you tell me what quarterback has more accomplishments in their career than than Jared Goff? Like, we're, we're, <laughs> yeah. right. Like, he might be the most accomplished quarterback in the NFC. He's the honestly, most accomplished yeah. quarterback in the NFC. He's made a Super Bowl. He's had multiple 4,000-yard seasons. He's made the playoffs several times. Jalen Hurts, it'd probably be a close number two. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? But like who? Brock right. Purdy, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Dak Prescott, Josh yeah. Dobbs, great story, but come on. Right. It's, you it's know, Jared Goff deserves yeah. a little bit of respect. This guy was a number one pick. Somehow he got 
into like the collective narrative, the sports narrative. This guy was like a loser, a, a blow, a bust. I don't know what happened. If how would happen? Sean McVay never really liked him for some reason and kind of just threw him aside. Guy's done nothing but produce. And to be honest with you, he's kind of done nothing but win. I mean, he's won a lot. He has won a lot. Honestly, he's been, I think, just as big of a part of that Lions rebuild as, as anybody else. Yeah. You and, know, and, you, know, you got to put the pieces around him. He's not like a Mahomes or anything like no. that. But but you put the pieces around this guy and he, he wins. He wins. He wins games. He yeah. really does. I don't have the time to do this right now, but we should go take a look for maybe next week's episode and just look at, let's look at the last 10 years of quarterbacks drafted in the top 10. I guarantee you, Josh, uh, Jared Goff is going to be one of the top five or six guys statistically. Yeah. You yeah. Know, right 100%. up there with anyone else, right up there with anyone else. Yeah. All right. Anything else you have, Justin, before we wrap it up for the week? Oh, breaking news on my phone uh, before it went up. Jack oh. Jones just waved by the New England Patriots. Just waved? Just waved right now. Patriots parting oh, ways with Jack goodness. Jones. Oh, my goodness. Hey, why not? What do you need him around for? You know what? Like, what what good is it going to do you? Why, why he was just one of the only like dudes that? that, like, I just saw like a spark and like he had like an extra level of like intensity and like quickness in that defense. Did he show up I, late yesterday or something though? It, wasn't that the rumor they flew him out there last minute and he, and he didn't even show show up on time for the game or something like that? Or the, he was oh, late for pregame warmups? I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> you know what? Look, <laughs> you it, know, oh my goodness! If you're gonna keep a guy like Jack Jones around, you damn well better be competing for like Super Bowls or at yeah. least for playoff spots. If you're two and eight, what is the point of keeping Jack Jones around? Like you might as well just really, you might as well keep your integrity at that point because what else do you have? You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways. All right. So that's all the time we have. We want to thank everyone that listened to the Dr. Football podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. We certainly enjoyed doing it. Um, we will be back next week recording another episode of the Patriots bye week. I, I you know, it's going to be tough without the Pats playing next week, but the reality is like, the off-field drama that, that's just surrounding this team, you know there's going to be like 10 major stories that, that we'll be able to talk about, even though they don't actually suit up and play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, there'll be plenty to, to talk uh, about. Well, Ro Rome is burning. I mean, I think that's the perfect way to put it. Rome yeah. is burning. And look, it's like people love stuff like this. You know, like when when things like, like it's like the Hindenburg disaster or, or God forgive me, it's like the Titanic. It's like people are interested in this stuff. When something yeah. that as iconic as the New England Patriots were for as long as they were iconic, right? Six Super Bowls, Belichick, Brady, Kraft, flagship franchise. And now it's all falling apart. I mean, it, it's kind of the talk of one of the stories of the league right now. It's interesting. I mean, it's very interesting. And look, you hear all the all the, 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 you know, the, the guys who do the highlights and ESPN, the announcers, the pundits who do the games, everybody just can't say enough how shocked they are to see this out of a New England Bill Belichick coach team. And, and yesterday was a showcase game. So for people that really weren't paying attention, I know people might have seen their record was bad, but when they actually saw the product yesterday on the field and how bad that team actually is, yep. it, 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 I think for a lot of people in national media, that was eye-opening yesterday. All right, bud, that's all the time we have. We want to thank everyone that listened to the Dr. Football Podcast. Have a great week. We'll catch you next week. Enjoy your week, everyone.